just here's the, here's the point. Jacob is telling them individually in his final conversation with them, this is what's going to happen to you. And this is a reflection of kind of how it will be for some of your descendants. I'm going to tell you about what is going to come to pass. We read enough for you to pick up on this. In telling them what was going to come to pass, he referenced what had already come to pass in their lives. What had been going on. And maybe, perhaps even with his observation of them in the years since, what continued to go on to one degree or another. The thought is this. The destination is determined by the direction. I understand that's obvious and simple. But in telling them where they would end up, he references the direction that they're going. So this morning, the title is this, Destinations and Directions. You may be seated. Thank you for standing to honor God's word. This time, we'll enjoy a special from Brother Nate and Miss Jessica. It's a great song. I've heard them sing it once before, and I hope you'll allow this song to minister to you.
blessing. Oh, I love to love to think about the lyrics to these songs. It's so good. How many of you just acknowledge, I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but you got, you got saved and God forgave you and you, you believe it in scripture. And yet, you know, like the, the, the text of the song says, I'm moving on. There are times when it's hard to move on, and, you, and you, you get this thought in your head, believers get paralyzed by this. I hope you're paying attention at home. Believers get paralyzed by this. How can God use me? You know, how, how can I move forward? Because they're gone. As far as the east is from the west. That's his grace. I'm not talking about the consequence, obviously, you know, there's consequences to our actions, but we deal with it, and then we can, by the grace of God, I'm moving on. It's a blessing. I'm not sure everybody's enjoying that like I am, but man, I am, I am, I am rejoicing in the Lord over that, and just as a great job singing it, thankful for the energy and the beauty with which it was sung, and most of all, thankful for the depth of the truth. My sins are gone. What a great Savior. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles open uh, to Genesis chapter 49, how many of you at home or here, you uh, would admit to being directionally challenged? Okay, we have two, three, four, yeah. Um, How many of you spouses would admit to your spouse being directionally challenged? Yeah, that's what I want to see. Yeah, yeah, good, good, several. Um, Right now, my wife's hand is going up to that second question. I'm not, I'm not fully directionally challenged. I am partially directionally challenged. And I don't, even, I don't even know why. I don't know what the circumstances are. But sometimes I can, I can be challenged in that way. That's why I say praise the Lord for smartphones and maps and all of that. Praise the Lord for interactive maps that tell me where I'm supposed to go. Hallelujah. And I don't have to depend on myself. What a, what a blessing. Praise the Lord for helpful driving assistance who tell me when I'm going the wrong way or driving the wrong way 
or doing it. <laughs> anyway, I'm just trying to have a little fun. I know this, that if you get on, I, on Interstate 84 East, you're eventually going to end up in Utah. If you get up on Interstate 84 West, you'll eventually, you'll end up in Oregon. If someone comes to me and says, and I'm not the best at directions, but if someone comes to me and says, hey, I, I'm here in the valley, I want to know how uh, to get to Oregon, and depending on where they're going, if you're just trying to get to Oregon, then I'll say, well, the quickest way is going to be get on 84 and go west. If you're trying to get down to Utah, depending on the area, and I say, get on to 84 and go east. Then if someone says, hey, I'm, I'm trying to get to Utah, okay, so you get on to 84 and you go east, and they get on 84, and they go west, and then they call me, and they say, I didn't end up in Utah. I'm now standing on a beach overlooking the ocean. What happened? Well, here's what happened. You were going a different direction than the stated destination that you desired. I mean, I understand this is simple, silly, and obvious. Someone can say, well, I really, I really wanted this destination, Well, the destination that you're going to end up in is determined by the direction in which you are headed. Oh, it's silly to think that I can drive my car east and I'm not even going to point as much as I want to because I have no idea at the moment. Yeah, okay, thank you. East? Yes, east. Brother Robert's helping me this morning. (laughs) Sorry focus pile, it would be silly to say, I want to go east, but then to drive my car west. Okay, yeah, right, you get that driving. You say, Pastor, this is ridiculous. What is actually ridiculous is for children of God to say, I want this destination in my life. You know what I'm talking about. For young people, I want this destination as an adult. Man, I'm thankful for the high schoolers. I'm thankful for the college students. I'm thankful for the singles. I'm thankful for young ladies and men that have graduated from high school recently. I'm thankful for those that are getting ready to go to college, in college. I'm thankful for young people that are making their way up through high school. And and you're at the age now, you're old enough, you ought to have already been thinking, not necessarily knowing, but thinking about where do I want to end up in my life? Do I, do I want to end up in a place of stability? Do I want to end up in a place of fulfillment? Do I want to end up in a place of meaning? Do I want to end up in a place of, can I just categorize it this way, just a broad statement. Do I want to end up in a place of God's blessing? You know, I, I look at these adults who are in their, man, they're really old. They're in their 30s. And I look at these adults who are almost ancient, and they're in their 40s. And then I look at these people who probably got off the ark, and they're in their 50s. I mean, and I see these people in their 50s, and, and I say, they, they get to enjoy a lot of blessings, and I want that destination. Young people, you ought to be thinking about things like that. I want that destination. I want, I want to end up in, in the general way where they ended up. I'm so thankful for the young married families that we have here. So thankful for the young families. Thankful for couples that still would fit into that category. You're maybe not newlyweds, though there are some, but you, you have some marriage experience, but you're not certainly, by no means, are you a veteran of marriage yet. And yet you ought to be looking, as a young married couple, you, you ought not have this arrogance that said, we'll just figure this thing out. You ought, to be, you ought to look at marriage examples 
of, of people like, you can talk about the ark, Brother Jack and Miss Peggy Cook. Love you guys. What was, what did we say, 70, 70 years? 70 years. And he stood up here, and I asked him via video to give that woman a kiss, and I heard it was epic. And you say, I, I want, I want that. I, I want that, whether I got my teeth or not. <laughs> I don't know, I wasn't here to watch that. I'm just saying for me, I'm anticipating they're going to fall out if the Lord lets me live that long based on my diet right now. And <laughs> say, I, I want that. I want 70 years. Well, if you're going to have a marriage that looks like that, then there is a direction that you must go. As a church, Come on, stay with me as a church. I hope, that you, I hope that you don't just go through the motion of attending whether or being a part, whether on the live stream or here. I hope that you think about where is our church going to be in five years? Where is our church going to be in ten years? And what part will I have in that? What can I do to help that process, help us to be in a place in five years, in ten years? And this is what we, what we have to understand, that as a church, that there must be a clearly defined destination that we are seeking to arrive at, that we are seeking to achieve. But then if we're going to achieve that destination, then there must be a direction in which we are determined to be moving. We understand this in, in the career sense. You know, you have, you have people that say, I have this career goal. And maybe it has to do with the military, maybe it has to do with being in the medical profession, or maybe the police, or maybe in construction, or any other field where you find yourself. You say, I have this career goal. Well, then there are steps. If a person is thinking right, there are steps that I take. In other words, I understand that my destination is determined by my direction. Well, these are Jacob's last words. He's about to die, as we already referenced, and he has this one last opportunity to speak to his son before he passes from this life. And so he tells them what their lives and the future of the tribes that come out of them are going to look like. He uses the phrase in verse number one, the last days. And so he has a, a very long view, not just his life, not just their life, but the, the life of the nation of Israel. And when you read some of the prophecy in this chapter about Judah and specifically the Redeemer that would come out of Judah, you understand this, this prophecy has a very long view, and it's a reminder, just a brief one, but a reminder that even today God is not finished with the nation of Israel. And uh, there, there will be a time when he deals with them again specifically. And so he makes in this, in this time of prophesying to his sons about them, he makes some very bold predictions, and we notice some very stark contrasts that we read about between some of these sons. Reuben, we picked up on in verse number three, he was the firstborn, and he references that he should have had a place of prominence, but he ends up calling him unstable, meaning, he, meaning his life isn't anchored, and the way that he makes decisions isn't anchored. It's not talking about mental instability here. He's talking about this, that, that you had this place of prominence, but you didn't live your life in a direct way. You didn't live your life in a determined way. You lived your life being pulled like, the, like a ship without sails or without an anchor can be tossed by the waves. You were tossed about by your own lust, 
and you committed a horrendous act. And you can read about it earlier in Genesis that he had an illicit relationship with his fa- one of his father's wives. And he references that in verse number four and he tells him that because of your sin and because of the grossness of it, there are some long-range consequences of it. And because of what has been, I'm going to tell you what will be. Judah was the fourth born. He wasn't the oldest. But he tells Judah, he's, you're going to be the ones that your brethren praise. You're going to have a place of superiority. Children will bow down before thee. Verse number 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh coming unto him shall the gathering of the people be. So this is what we know about Judah. A couple of prominent people came from that tribe. Um, uh, One of the first would be King David. Um, And he ruled, uh, unlike any of his immediate, um, any of his immediate descendants, and set Israel, while not perfect, but set Israel on a great trajectory. But even David wasn't the greatest. Solomon's, during Solomon's time, I would say David was a wiser king, just in the practical application. Solomon obviously knew a lot, but the practical application of it he failed in. But during Solomon's time, there was a tremendous amount of wealth and prosperity, a tremendous amount of peace and superiority. But there was one even greater than him. You say, well, who? Well, Jesus Christ, born of the seed of David, born out of Bethlehem, of the tribe of Judah, the son of God. So Jacob, while not knowing every detail about this, he had enough perception from the revelation of God in his own heart. He had enough understanding that Judah, you are going to have a place of special prominence. Now, if you're thinking properly, Judah was not a perfect man himself. Judah has some baggage. Okay, so we've, we've talked about Reuben. Reuben had some serious baggage. Then we talk about Judah, and, and this is what Jacob says to Reuben. You're unstable, meaning you are driven, your life is driven by your flesh. It is not driven by principle. It is not driven by truth. It is driven by what you want in the moment. But then he says to Judah, Judah, you're going to be the one that your brothers praise. You're going to be the one that's exalted. You're the one out of ultimately, and he didn't know all of this exactly, but out of whom the redeemer of the world comes. They both had some baggage. Judah failed his daughter-in-law, and then unknowingly, but he still did it, he had an illicit relationship with her when she was pretending to be someone else, and then wanted her to be burned, wanted her to be burned for a crime that he was guilty of. Now, you remember that, dealing with this. Yeah. So why would, why in this would that happen? Well, number one, we have to deal with this. God does have different purposes for different people. He does. And we don't need to be afraid of that. God does have different purposes for different people. But let me tell you what we observe from Judah. And you'll, you'll remember this. I'm not going to go back and preach all of this. But as the brothers went through the process of being humbled before Joseph, you remember that, right? 
Okay, they go through this process of being humbled. Here's what we notice about Judah. He begins to change to the point that at the end, right before Joseph reveals himself, Judah is saying things like this. Please let my younger brother free and put me in prison. For the sake of my brothers, for the sake of my father, would you take me instead? Now look, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that Judah was a perfect man, but I am saying this, saying this, based on the text in Genesis, there was an obvious change over the course of time in Judah's life. And as God dealt with the brothers and at least, and maybe in more, but at least in Judas, there was a humility and there was an awareness of their sinfulness. There was an awareness of his wrongdoing. And up to the moment that Joseph revealed himself to them from the throne, Judah in his mind, I understand, I, I'm implying some things here. Judah may have thought something like this. I can't take back the wrong that I've done, but I can do differently now. And rather than being, rather than living his life, continuing to be driven by the appetites of the flesh that drove him back then, he humbled himself before the chastening of God through the authority of Joseph, and he submitted, and you find in his heart this desire, I messed up with Joseph, but I don't want to mess up with my other younger brother, Benjamin. I know that I failed over there, but I don't have to keep failing. And you see, just, I understand, he doesn't make this declaration of, man, I did this terrible thing, and I repent of it, and I admit my wrong. But you see that his behavior from early on to later on, there is a noticeable change. The way he treats Joseph when Joseph was a young man is this. I'm going to use you for my own gain. But the way he treats Benjamin when Benjamin was a young man is this. I will lay down my life in order to protect yours. You know what that's evidence of? God changing his heart. Him submitting himself to God. You say, well, why, why, would, God, why would God give J- Jacob this insight that Reuben... Reuben in the position of the firstborn will have this, and Judah in the position of the fourthborn will have this. Well, number one, understand this, that God has different purposes for different people. Let me drive this this point home one more time. Go to verse number 22. Joseph is a fruitful bow. Okay, look back up at me now. If we're just going to talk about from the human perspective, who deserves to have Jesus come from their tribe? There's only one man. It's the one who was most like Jesus the most consistently for the most years. You know who that is? Joseph. But that wasn't God's purpose. But notice this. Joseph was still blessed. Ah, love it. (laughs) God's purpose for your life isn't going to be the same as God's purpose for somebody else's life. Some people, God has a purpose over here. Other people, God has a purpose over here. Some people have this ability. Some people don't have this ability. Some people have this resource. Some people don't have this resource. Some people have this opportunity. Some people don't have that opportunity. They have a different opportunity. But they can all be blessed in those opportunities and in those purposes. So the purpose, hmm, get this, the purpose God determines. But how that is fulfilled And what that looks like isn't determined by God in the sense that we have responsibility for how we live our lives. Now look, God God is sovereign and he has complete foreknowledge. 
but God, God dealt with Reuben based on his sinfulness, and God dealt with Judah based on his sinfulness, but also based on not only his purpose, but based on Judah's willingness to humble himself before God and change according to God. So this is what you see. You see Reuben's life going one way, ending up at a different place. Again, look at, ver- look at verse number four. Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel. That's one destination. Look at verse number eight. Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Verse 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. Okay, another destination. And this is what someone would argue. Yeah, that was God's purpose. No, 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 no. Don't misunderstand this. God is sovereign. God has foreknowledge. But God doesn't make people sin. Mm, We reject the idea that God decides that this person goes to hell and this person goes to heaven. Does God know? Yes. But he gives everyone a choice in the way that they're going to live their life. Praise his name for that. No, he gives people a choice. Does he know the choice? Yes, but he gives the choice. And I understand I'm simplifying that, but that is biblical truth there. No, God has a purpose. He knows the future, but he also gives people the freedom to choose what they will do with their life. You see, you see Reuben with this destination. You see Judah with this destination. I'm going to add a third. You see Joseph with this destination. It's different than Judah's, but they're both blessed destinations. You say, what, what determines that? The direction in which they lived their lives. Oh, a couple of things about that. It wasn't necessary that Judah live his life in a perfect destiny, in a perfect direction. You ever took a wrong turn? Man, I hate wrong turns. I have such a bad attitude about everything when I take wrong turns. My life is miserable right now. This is going to take me like an extra minute and 37 seconds. What could possibly come be good about this? And you can ask Andrea, it's a struggle for me. I have to have the Lord's help. I've had to ask her to forgive me many times. And my children. And other people I was honking at. I mean, I just, I yell at them, please forgive me, I'm sorry, I'm so wicked. No, man, I hate taking wrong turns. But you know what's amazing? Is that even when you take a wrong turn? You can still end up at the destination you're supposed to. No, it doesn't, mm, it doesn't, mean, that there won't, it doesn't mean that there won't be lost time. It doesn't mean that in some cases there won't be lost opportunity. But you can still end up in a place of being blessed where God wants you to be. You can still end up in the destination of having a blessed life, of having a useful life, of having a meaningful life, of having a full life. It's not that Judah was perfect. It's not that Joseph was perfect. It's that there was something about them that they lived their life towards God. And again, different sin has different physical consequences. And I understand the seriousness of what Reuben had done, but there was evidently something about Judah that distinguished him in the way that his heart changed over time. I'm telling you, it's obvious that God had a different purpose for each one of these men, 
but it's also obvious based on what Jacob knew about them, what he referenced, and what we can observe in Scripture, that this wasn't just about God's purpose. It was about the direction in which they were choosing to live their lives. What Jacob foretold about their future was based in part on what Jacob had observed in their behavior. What Jacob foretold about their future was based in part on what Jacob had observed in their behavior. Where they would end up was determined by which direction they were moving. And Jacob observed this. No, you've done this as a parent, as a grandparent. You've observed your children, and you know, based on their attitude and based on their behavior, you know that this carries with it a certain trajectory. And Jacob, it wasn't just the prophecy, the insight God had given him, but it was the awareness of what they had done and, and their bent and the way they lived their lives that this is going to affect where you end up. Here's this statement. The destination of your life is determined by the direction of your life. So remember the silliness about 84 East or West? You say, yeah, okay, if I want to go, go to Utah, I know I get on 84 East. And if I want to go to Oregon, I know I get on 84 West. Okay, it sounds simple. My, my parents live in uh, Nevada, Missouri. And it's right on the Kansas, on the Missouri-Kansas line. And they live in between Kansas City and Joplin. They're about an hour north of Joplin, about an hour and 45 minutes south of Kansas City on 71. Well, there, I, I don't remember the, all the details of this, but there's a lady at my dad's church, and she was going to pick up her husband or something like this, and she needed to go towards Kansas City. Well, she drove for longer than she needed to drive for, and decided I should stop and do what most men hate doing, asking for directions. She decides, I better stop and ask. And so she asks, hey, I'm trying, she stops and gets that, I'm trying to get to Kansas City. How long, I mean, wh- wh- where am I at? How long does this go? Well, you're like four or five hours away. She was in Arkansas. <laughs> or something like that. You say, but I wanted to be in Kansas City. Well, Kansas City's to the north. And Arkansas, it's to the south. (laughs) Your destination is determined by your direction. I can observe young people. Please pay attention. Young people, please get this. It's not hard to do this. I can observe I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not pretending you say, were you trying to be prophetic? No, I can just observe the way young people pay attention in church and know something about their destination. Young people that are at home, when you're here, I, just, I can just observe the, consi- the consistency of how you are in church, and that tells me something about your destination. You know what it you know why I know something about your destination? I'm not saying for sure, but why I can know something about it is this because how how your heart is reflected in the way that you listen in church 
is a reflection of the direction you're going. And the direction you're going Say, yeah, that's, that's good for young people to hear. And I understand, look, a young person can sit up and listen and, and put on an external appearance, but eventually the attitude comes out. Good or bad, the attitude does come out, given enough time. Yeah, that's good. Teens need that. That's not just teens. I can watch adults while I'm preaching. And, and, and listen, I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be weird. I'm not, nothing mystical about this. But God does give you insight sometimes. I'm not talking about being a prophet. I'm just talking about insight and there's awareness. And obviously, I would believe that I don't, I don't know most things that are going on. And a lot of times people will say, man, pastor, it sounded like you were preaching right at me. Well, I'm preaching at you. Yes. Were you talking to me? Yes. <laughs> I was. That doesn't mean I know what's going on. That's just the word of God. But I can observe. I can observe not just how people listen, but I can reserve, observe the response to the truth that is preached. You can observe, is this truth being applied? Is there any effort to apply this truth? Is there any consistent effort to try to humble themselves before the Lord? Is there any consistent effort to do the right thing? I'm not saying there's never a wrong turn or there's never a bump in the road or there's never a flat tire or there's never a breakdown, but there is a consistent effort to move in this direction. Well, I can observe those things. And based on what can be observed, it gives you an indication of the destination people are going to arrive at. I can observe the same thing in parenting. Moms and dads, please get this. You, if you were involved in the parenting class at all, if you've listened to preaching about parenting at all, you have heard me say this. I do not claim to be, and I know that I am not an expert in any way on parenting, but I know who the expert is on parenting. And there are biblical principles that, if applied, they are promised to result in this destination. Do you get that, if applied? Now, there are a whole lot of Moms and dads, there are a whole lot of parents that want their children to end up in this destination, but they don't want the grief and the difficulty of moving them in that direction. Please understand. And you say, well, well, does that mean if my kids get off that they're... No, again, you heard the preaching about wrong turns. You know the story of the prodigal son. You know how people, even Old Testament kings, how they started off bad and they ended up good. Somebody say amen to those things. This isn't hopelessness or despondency, but I'm talking about the perspective of parents who say, I want my children in this destination. I want my children to love God. I want my children to look for a spouse who loves God. I want my children to work hard and be ethical. I don't want my children to be lazy. I don't want them to be shallow. I want them to be loyal. Well, there is a direction that you have to take in order to get them to that destination. Kids don't just arrive somewhere because you want them to. You know, you know what's involved in directing your kids to, to a, to a Christ-like destination? A whole lot of no's. You understand on the way to Utah, there's a whole lot of exits? I mean, I'm, again, I haven't counted them all, but just between here and the Oregon border, there's multiple exits you can get off of. You say, I, I want my kids to end up at this destination. Well, there's going to have to be a whole lot of things that you say no to. Hmm, there's going to have to be a whole lot of things that you say yes to. 
No, yes, you will do this. No, you will be a part of this. You will submit to this. You will eat your broccoli and like it. And you will be involved in church and like it. Oh, (laughs) praise the Lord, Pastor. Thank you for that. The same thing about a church. Why why are you talking about a church? Because it's not just a pastor that's responsible for the direction of a church. The people people affect the direction. You say, I don't don't think that's true. Read Revelation 2 and 3. Consider the example of the nation of Israel. Moses was trying to lead in a direction, but the people were like, we want the destination, but we're not sure that's how we need to get it. It'd be better. Actually, they didn't even want the destination. Like, we want to go back to Egypt. We're all a part of this. This This isn't my church. This is Jesus' church. This is, it. this is my church in the sense that I belong to it. I am one of many pieces, and you should view it the same way. You say, well, well how, what destination do we want? I, I believe we want a destination that looks like this. Uh, Revelation 2 and 3, I don't want to be spewed out of his mouth. Let's start there. <laughs> Let me tell you what I don't want. I don't want God to vomit me out. Complete rejection I don't want a church that displeases him. I want a church that Jesus would say something like this to. Well done. Well done, church. Oh, so, I'm, so that means I'm not primarily concerned with what somebody on Facebook says. I'm not primarily concerned with how a political movement views us. I'm not primarily concerned with how many likes we get on Yelp or Google or whatever else is available. I'm primarily concerned with this. As a pastor, my focus is on this lens. How does Jesus Christ view us and how will we effectively minister to people? And carry out the work that Jesus said was important. Well, if we're going to arrive at that, then there are directions in which we must move. There are things that have to matter here. Oh, hey, are you ready? Oh, come on, stay tuned in, please. You ready? Well, I could talk about these buttons, and they're true. These are important buttons that we need to be pushing. The preaching of the word of God. Oh, it always needs to be happening, and it doesn't change whether I'm uncomfortable with it or you're uncomfortable with it. We just keep preaching the book. We need to be a place where Jesus Christ is exalted. This isn't a pastor, this does not need to be a pastor-centered church or any other personality-centered church. It needs to be a Jesus-centered church. But can I tell you some other things that need to be happening here? Man, people need to hear God's people praise him. When guests come here, whether there's this many or what we actually have when everyone's able to attend, people need to know. Man, they're excited about this. You know what else they need to know? These people really like people. Look, this bothers me. This has bothered me for years. In this age of, in this age of we are ruining as humans, we are ruining the planet. Look, it, it, are we to be responsible to tend God's creation? Yes, it is a gift. But can that be taken to ridiculous extremes? 100%. And let me tell you, the most precious resource is not some animal. Now, I, I made this comment to Andrea yesterday or the day before, I think. I am convinced that there are people 
who would let another person die in order to save their pet. You say, well, I really love my pet. I didn't say you shouldn't care about your pet. But the most valuable resource on planet Earth is this, human life. Because it's what God died for. You say, amen, pastor, I believe that. Well, you need to treat other people that come here like you believe that. Love them. Care about them. It's okay. It's okay for people to know that you are happy to see them. I know you feel kind of goofy. I feel goofy all the time. I woke up and I'm like, hey, <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. It's like a party in my heart. Yes. I mean, I get, I get excited. You say, why are you that way? Well, there's a lot of reasons, and that's a long conversation. But one of the reasons I am is because I am convinced This isn't just some kind of personality trait. This isn't just some kind of show. I am convinced of this, that what God loves most is people. Does God care about every element of his creation? Absolutely. But he cares about people the most. And we need to, if we're going to be the kind of church that arrives at the destination, then we need to consistently be moving in the direction of loving people. Is it inconvenience to minister to people sometimes? Yes, it was for Jesus. But are people always worth the inconvenience? Jesus thought they were. Absolutely. The destination of your life, whether as an individual or a church, is determined by your direction. What you will be is being determined by what you are being right now. Let me ask you a couple of questions and then I'll, I'll give you one more illustration and we'll be done. Young people, please get this. Families, please get this. I'm not asking about where you've been. That's not what I'm asking about. Right now, right now, where do you want to be? Five years, 10 years. Where, where do you want your marriage? Where do you want your children? By the way, I, I forgot to mention this. Reuben and Judah's direction had a generational effect. There were people in those generations who broke the cycles, and I thank God for that. But you're, deter- you're helping to set an example. You're not determining it for them, but you are setting an example. So where do you want to end up? Where do you want your children to end up? Praying for my kids. I don't just pray for them now. I pray for well, where they will end up. Young people, young ladies, young men, where do you want to end up? Where do you want to stand up as a church? Okay, so here's the second question. What does your life say about the direction that you are heading right now? I'm not asking you to tell me. I'm asking you to be honest with you. What direction am I moving? Am I actually moving towards the destination at which I desire to arrive? Don Hudson um, uh, was a... Very, he is still famous, but a well-known during his life, a well-known receiver for the Green Bay Packers. I think he was a receiver. May have been a tight end. But he caught, he played 11 seasons for Green Bay. He caught 488 career receptions, 7,991 receiving yards, and 99 touchdowns. He's in the Hall of Fame for the NFL. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame. You say, those stats don't blow you off the don't, don't blow you away. But that was during a time when they didn't throw the ball as much. Some of you know about him. 
He played during a time when it wasn't this air raid type of offense and you're chucking the ball 50 yards every play. It's a very different game. This is what Don Hudson said. He arrived, he arrived, arrived at this destination of having, of having an amazing career. His destination was to be well-known and appreciated, Hall of Fame career, all kinds of accolades and awards. This is what he said. For every pass I caught in a game, I caught a 1,000 in practice. You say, what's the significance of that? I decided the destination I wanted to arrive at, and I adjusted my direction to meet that destination. Some of you, maybe in some small ways or some big ways. Some of you at home, maybe in some small ways or big ways, you need to adjust your direction. Where do you want to end up? Then what does your life say about your direction? What does the direction of your life say about your destination? Because if you want to end up over here, then you've got to be moving that way in all the little areas. This morning you say, I've, I've really, I made some wrong turns in my life. I, my sins are gone. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm, mm, move, it could not have fit better. And we didn't plan it this way. I'm moving on. You made a wrong turn. You hit a bump. You had a breakdown. Get back on the road and get moving again. Don't you underestimate what God can do with your life if you'll move in that direction. No, you say, I really failed in some areas. Uh, Or this person, I'm really concerned about them. Don't underestimate. Moms and dads, you have children that are wayward. Don't underestimate what God can do if they'll get back on and they'll begin to move in the right direction. You say, my attitude hasn't always been great. Don't underestimate what God can do. Those sins are gone. They can be forgiven. They can be removed. You just got to get on the direction based on the destination that you want to arrive at. Let's all stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Thank you for your attention to the word of God. I know it's harder to respond at home, but, but I want to ask you to take the time of response seriously because God, you don't have to be here for God to talk to you. So I want to ask you at home, take this time seriously. For those of you that are here, Take it seriously. I'll just, I'll ask, I'll ask one question. You would say, I know that there is a destination at which I want to arrive generally or very specifically in these certain areas. I know there is a destination. A destination of forgiveness, a destination of, rest, of restoration, a destination of stability financially, a destination of raising my kids. I, I, I have destinations in mind, but I know in my life my direction is taking me some, somewhere else. And maybe it's not a huge area, but a small area. Maybe there's an attitude. Maybe there's some habit. But there's, there's some adjustment that needs to happen to my direction. I want a destination that is to the east, but I am moving in a direction that is to the west. And, I, and I, I need God to help me alter my thinking, alter my attitude. I need God to help me make these changes in my direction, whatever they might be. I wonder if there'd be some that raise their hand and say, that's me. I know the destination, but my direction needs to be improved some. Would you pray for me, Pastor? I see him. God bless you. For, yep, God bless you. Well, while Brother Nate sings, if you need to respond to the Lord in any way, 
If he has spoken to you, you have opportunity to come and do that. So while Brother Nate sings, at home or here, you respond to the Lord. Father, thank you for the time and for the truth of your word, and I pray that you would help us to consider the direction of our lives. And Lord, you have a purpose for each of us, and there will be uniquenesses and differences anytime we consider our life and your purpose in the lives of others. But what is, what is true and what we do have control over, God, is the decisions that we make and the direction in which our, our life is headed. So would you please help us to be responsive to the truth in all the ways that we need to be in Jesus' name. Amen.